Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how goes? Hey, man, I'm feeling refreshed. You're feeling refreshed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a big weekend for us. Back in action for an official Pokemon tournament for the first time in two-plus years. Like two years and a quarter, man. I know. it's It really was crazy to see the excitement and to be back in Indianapolis, which is a place that's kind of, you know, special for all of us because Nats was held there for so long. in Pokemon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so very exciting times, and, uh, and it was a really exciting tournament. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I kind of felt this way after, after going to Frankfurt. Do you feel that, uh, like, competitive vigor coming back dude i really do i'm like <laughs> i've been sitting here thinking you know okay how do i how do i tech my deck or what's the best play or <laughs> yeah. you know all these like just random like searching through the card database you know oh yeah my okay. time or it's something bad. like that yeah so i definitely feel a uh, a renewed sense of of interest and just energy i guess i feel you man i've I've been playing so much Pokemon. I've been thinking about Pokemon all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm like talking about Pokemon now to people. <laughs> like, I'm just really deep in there, man. It feels really good to just be playing, to be slinging some poke IRL with physical cards in official tournaments. You can't beat it, man. It feels so good. It really does. And just, yeah, being able to see people again like these are people that um i have made you know acquaintances with or friends with over online on the various channels yeah for the last two years and then finally meeting some of them that was really cool for me and i mean for you as well i know you had people coming up saying hey love the podcast you know i definitely had that throughout the day love the content things like that so uh, that was just really fun to kind of meet some of you guys and uh get to chat with you yeah, seriously, shout out to all of the listeners who came out and showed their support. It was so awesome to get to meet all of you and talk through, you know, kind of what you thought of the cast and uh, your opinions. And also just to, you know, get to know our, the people out there who are listening to us. We have s- such a wide array of people, honestly. It's really cool. Um, yeah. And definitely, like, if you're out there at any of these events, don't feel intimidated at all. Like, JW and I are super happy to, to sit down and chat with you. Uh, it was really, really awesome just to be able to talk to all of you. Yeah, absolutely. I would echo that sentiment. And it just, every time we come up, I'm like, oh, th- there's a listener out there? Like, do people listen to this? They're real people, yeah. And they're, yeah, and they're real people. They're not bots, <laughs> you know? They're not, you know, fake, fake news. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And it just, like, makes me want to, keep it up i don't know it just it, it, it's a it's a really great feeling to talk to you guys and uh, hear your thoughts um on the cast 100 percent agree so overall sounds like you're stoked about the weekend i'm certainly stoked about how the weekend went so i see no reason not to just dive right into it man we got plenty to talk about we have three premier events that we're coming off of this past weekend with the Joinville, the Bilbao, and the Indianapolis Regional Championships slash special events going on. And there's more to come, right? We have multiple mm-hmm. more regional special event 
level events that are happening in the brilliant stars format you know it's and it it's feels non-stop. like it's gonna be i was gonna say it feels non-stop it feels you know very bang 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 because oh yeah uh, there's a couple back-to-back weekends obviously milwaukee uh, is right up against naic uh and then before you know it worlds is going to be here so just a really exciting time for uh, for competitive players that are on the circuit. And yeah, we have a lot to talk about. So as you guys know, we went to the Indianapolis Regional Championships. Both Riley and I competed. And we came away with very different outcomes. You know, uh, both had winning records, but uh, one of us did particularly well. So Riley, what, what place did you end up getting? Uh, that'd be 12th. Oh, 12th. Okay, well, I could not unfortunately beat that. I ended up... <laughs> 127 so Top still 28 res- baby still respectable. <laughs> yeah. very very respectable honestly with and with the matchups that i got um and and some of the luck that <laughs> oh, i felt yeah. like i had uh it was a very respectable showing so heading into the tournament we were kind of aligned in our thinking on deck choices we were both kind of thinking okay you know urshfu seems like it could be a really good play but we also had some backup decks uh, particularly in the Whimsicott brew that we ended up bringing. And Riley, what were your thoughts on kind of why you decided the night before to go with Whimsicott? What about Whimsicott made you say, yeah, this is the choice. This is the right play for the tournament. Yeah. Whimsicott was, uh, we tested a lot of Whimsicott. We tested it before UIC, um, you weren't as involved in that testing, obviously, but Andrew and I tested it a lot for EYC and didn't really think the deck was good enough. Um, didn't think it was reliable. And I kind of like carried that sentiment for a while. Um, I was probably the biggest hater of Whimsicott actually throughout our testing. I was very much the person who was kind of saying, you know, I don't think this is a good enough deck. I don't think we should take this to the regional. It's not consistent enough. It doesn't do what it needs to. The power ceiling is too low. I was the hater for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to be to be fair, I often am like the the devil's advocate for our our decks. Well, especially um, with those rogue create, uh, you know, which at yeah. the time and I think, certainly. And before... I think it is worthwhile to like you know pick apart and like force people to confront like why they're playing that strategy to some extent. Right. Right. Um, but so you know, for weeks and weeks, we had been testing Whimsicott, and I was always kind of a doubter. And what had ultimately like kind of flipped my opinion was it might have even been on like th- it was either like wednesday or thursday like when we started testing the sashian in the deck and that was like really when i felt the deck started to change i was a big advocate and jw you can attest to this i was a huge advocate of like including more ability v's in the deck particularly the luminion was a card i wanted to test for a while mm-hmm. um and once we kind of made that breakthrough and started playing all the support V Pokemon, the Luminion and the Sashian, in addition to the Crobat, the deck felt so much better. Like, yeah. I can 100% guarantee you, if we did not find the Sashian, I would not have played Whimsicott. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it was only because of it, the Sashian's, like, incredible showing in literally, like, the day leading up to Indy that I even considered Whimsicott to be a viable deck. Um, and so I was like, cool, like Whimsicott fills the check boxes that I am personally looking for in a deck right now. It has Path to the Peak in it, which is like a great disruptive tool. You can Marnie your opponent like many turns in a row. One thing I said probably about like two or three weeks ago is I want to play a deck that can literally just Marnie every single turn until my opponent bricks. 
And that sounds like a stupid, like awful strategy, but it works <laughs> straight right. up. Like, it definitely does. If your opponent doesn't brick off the first Marnie, like maybe they'll brick off the second. And if they don't brick off the second, like maybe the third will do. <laughs> and yeah. maybe the fourth, like if you play four, like maybe the fourth will be the one that gets them. Because uh, what what we had found, like playing Urshifu and stuff, is like, you know, you'll you'll have enough level balls. You'll get out of a Marnie. You'll get out of two Marnies. But then the third one comes and it's just like, dang, like I cannot do anything this turn. <laughs> I'm stuck. Um, so those were like kind of the two tenets i was looking for is i was looking mm-hmm. to play marnie a lot and i was looking to play path to the peak um and once got filled both of those roles fairly well and had a lot of like comeback potential that i felt like other decks didn't have you know sure. you can fall behind on whimsicott you can play like a slower game in your prize trade and still eventually win so those yep. factors compounded with the fact that the Shein allowed you to have a consistent enough early game to deal with pretty much all of your matchups, all of your relevant ones, the ones that we consider relevant, and that would be like Urshifu, Mew, and Arceus. Um, it seemed like an obvious choice for us, at least. Yeah, and you hit on it, right? We we were thinking about, you know, how do we beat the top decks, right? Like, we weren't particularly worried because the meta felt so centralized heading into the weekend. We weren't particularly worried about the Malamars. We weren't particularly worried about... You know, the Jolteons. We weren't particularly worried about any of the lower tier decks. We were really focusing our efforts on how do we beat the top three Urshifu, which had just done gangbusters in Europe, you know, weeks before. Uh, Mew, which is always going to be kind of up there as one of the best decks just due to its strength in a vacuum. And then Arceus, which seems to be kind of that newer, uh, newer player in terms of, um, you know, just how dominant it can be right and so uh, heading into the weekend we're really focusing on those three decks and there's a lot of i would say um you know differences in how you play the different matchups but ultimately we found that yeah whimscott could handle all three if not have favorable matchups against all three yeah and the kind of the last point i would drive home there is you know another deck that was really high on my mind on that friday night was mew actually um, and I was talking with Caleb and Azul, and, and we thought Mew was a good idea. Um, the reason I steered away from Mew is actually kind of based on my experience at UIC. Not the fact that Mew didn't work well for me at UIC, because I drew fine besides like missing power tablets. Like The deck was setting up. It was doing what it needed to. Um, but I felt like the dark Arceus matchup was too close. And my what I had told Caleb and Azul, and obviously like, Zul did fairly well for the majority of day one, and Caleb did place in top 32, so like clearly it was still an okay choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I told them was, you know, I don't want to play seven Dark Arceus again piloting Mew. If right. I, you know, if I'm looking for playing Mew or Whimsicott, and I'm expecting that level of Arceus, which I did, I would rather play Whimsicott into that. Um, so that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin for me, was I expected a ton of Arceus, Clearly that manifested into reality and I would rather play Wimscott into a ton of Arceus than Mew. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely um, a really good point, right? Because, um, you know, if you're expecting a lot of a deck like we were with with the Arceus uh, deck, just want to make sure you have a game plan against it and, and that you're not kind of uh, heading into these unfavorable matchups against what presumably would be one of the most popular decks, if not the most popular deck on the weekend. Agreed. Agreed. 
So I'll recap a little bit about my tournament. I know that, um, you know, the viewers are probably much more interested in yours, but just as, uh, you know, for, for all the people that are fans of, of me, maybe a little bit more than you, um, <laughs> you know, I'll recap how I did. So I ended up going six and three, which, you know, all things considered is like a respectable result. You're one I, match I, I point always, off day two, buddy. Yeah, one yeah. match point off day two. You know, obviously where the losses come is really important, right? So I ended up going four, three over my first seven rounds, which put me out of contention, uh, you know, fairly early, you know, but but at least to be that one match point off, um, I, I feel like, okay, I can hold my head high as like, okay, this was a good deck. Um, I just had some rough matchups, right? I know I played well. Um, one of the things that I always talk to the people that I coach is, you know, make sure you're making the right in-game decisions, which I felt like I did throughout the course of the day. And then also make sure that you're prize mapping, which I also did for the most part over the course of the day, unless I was in a game three situation where it just really didn't make sense to spend the time. Uh, to do so but you know i just felt like my play was really sharp i felt good about it and then you know six three i still got some points top 128 and i am now sitting at four points away from my invite so just a couple of round by round highlights i ended up playing against two arceus beedrill decks which was a really uh, interesting <laughs> matchup I, it's not my favorite uh just because arceus generally is kind of tough and then when you throw in a one prize attacker that can get really difficult uh and then when you throw in a one prize attacker that can one hit ko that can get pretty tough um my round one was against an arceus beedrill deck and uh, they were able to just kind of flawlessly execute the strategy i stumbled a little bit and i didn't quite know you know the matchup that well so i probably could have played maybe a little bit differently in terms of using zashian to attach uh you know a second psychic to a whimscott to try to go for a three energy um whimscott v star i didn't know that in the first game so i wasn't able to you know play around the b drill um but i also started crobat v both games in that round one. Um, so I ended up, you know, losing pretty quickly, uh, which is, it's pretty hard to, to overcome that because you don't get that additional draw and you're starting a two prizer, which Arceus can take full advantage of. Um, so ended up losing round one, uh, played a couple of Arceus or Ludon throughout the course of the day, which is, it should be a very hard matchup because what should happen in that matchup is that they'll never evolve a Dura Ludon. And they just have a two prizer and that can one shot all of your Whimsicott's. Both my opponents didn't quite do this. They were evolving into their Duraludons, which also honestly is like pretty hard to deal with. <laughs> but it's a little easier to deal with because they're not one-shotting you unless they can get their one-of-choice belt down on that VMAX. So ended up losing my first matchup of that. Won another one later in the day. Um, and I also played, if we're talking about kind of these bad matchups, I also played an Ice Rider Calyrex, which has to be among the worst matchups to play with the Wimscott deck. Fortunately, I took the win there in three exciting games. Also played a couple of Sylveons, which uh, was an absolute joy to play against. <laughs> yeah, that matchup is so easy. Yeah, yeah. Really, really nice. My round nine opponent, I was talking to him. I was at five and three, and I was saying, hey, man, you know, what do you think about the ID? Like, is this something that you might be interested in? And he's like, well, you know what? Actually, I'd like to see the matchup. And he flips over a Sylveon and I flip over a Whimscott and he immediately extends the hand. He's like, all right, you want an ID? And I'm like, nah, bro, I'm playing this out for sure. Like, I know it's a very favorable matchup. And uh, he also kind of dead drew a little bit. So 
you know, shout outs to my round nine opponent for, um, you know, for kind of taking, taking the punishment as I, as I swiftly, <laughs> swiftly beat him to, oh, to advance to the top 128. So that was, uh, that was my kind of overview, brief overview. You can read a little bit more about it on my website, flexdaddy.cards. If you want to read a little bit more detailed round by round, uh, you know, uh, tournament report and head on over there. So six and three can hold my head up high. Just some unfortunate matchups throughout the course of the day, especially those two Arceus drill decks. But let's hear a little bit more from you, Riley. Take us through your maybe general overview of day one, how that went, and then obviously how you played in day two to make to make it to top 16. Yeah, I mean, day one obviously was very successful, ended 7-1-1. Um, my loss actually was in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious, as you do when you have your round one. Uh, that's I feel like I get the worst nerves in the first round of the tournament, and then I feel fine usually the rest of the day. Sitting mm-hmm. down across from my opponent, very nice guy, and, uh, you know, I flip over my whimsicott, and he flips over a, a low tad. And I'm just like, <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> like, we picked the worst possible deck for this tournament, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I get thrashed by a Suicune, too. Uh, I almost beat him in one game, but, it, you know, ultimately I did not. So that was, a, like, a frustrating way to start the day. And I was definitely yeah. uh, a little bit down on my luck, uh, so to speak, to start the day. As I went throughout the day, obviously that recovered. I played a couple of Mews, which ended up working out. I played a couple of Mirrors. I won every single Mirror that I played. Uh, the Sashian obviously helps quite a bit. Um, I even beat a Shadow Rider Mirror, which should be like quite unfavorable. But I was able to like slam Paths down at very mm-hmm. uh, critical early turns. And the thing with Shadow Rider is if you don't bump that like immediately, the deck is designed to kind of draw t- cards continuously. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of fall behind and lose. Yeah. Um, so that ended up working out well. Um, one of the mu- one of my non-wins, the tie, was against a Mew player. And I think that was honestly kind of on me. I should have scooped the second game. Or the, the first game, I should have scooped a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, my opponent was playing like multiple basic psychic and stuff. It was pretty challenging. But I actually ended up in a situation where if I had been able to attack two more times in game three, I would have won. And so... I wish I just managed my time a little better. I thought I was okay on time, but I actually had just misrecorded the the start of the round, and so I was about yeah. five minutes, I was a couple minutes off, and yep. that was just on me. Um, I still like I probably I don't know. It was tough. I scooped pretty early, but I definitely could have scooped earlier. Um, so it happens. And then obviously I won out the rest of the day. I round nine at six one one. I played a Wimscott mirror, and then. Swiftly 2 0 that it was like within 10 minutes and yep. you know wrapped up my day at 7 1 1. So that was very that exciting. feels really good. And it just kind of goes to show, like, you know, I know you're somebody that tends to, especially early if you lose, uh, you know, tends to kind of get down on yourself, right? Like, oh man, I you say you know, that, but uh, like some of my best tournaments ever, I had a round one loss, like Collinsville, I lost round one as well, <laughs> yeah. And I and I'm thinking even more recently of the full grip tournament 
Oh, yeah. That was a tie. Thank you very much. Okay, that was a tie. Well, fair enough. In any case, um, you know, an, an unfavorable uh, round one result can sometimes, you know, send send uh, you not maybe not into tilt, but just kind of into like, uh, you know, double thinking your deck choice. And uh, yeah, just kind of I would say like I tend to avoid like space. true tilt. Yeah. You know, it doesn't like impact yeah. my gameplay or anything. And I'm just like, man, what the heck, man? Like, why do we play this stupid freaking deck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is such a bad call. Like, you know, what were we thinking? <laughs> like, obviously, I'm going to play out of my mind the rest of the day, but <laughs> like, it sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and the worst part is like, with Whimscott, you know, you want to play the good decks. You don't want to play the decks at the 0 1 table. That was my problem, bro. I was 1 and 2 to start out. And, yeah. and then I knew and I was. That's like, where Ice oh, Rider man. lives, man. I was going to say that's that's Ice Rider's home base right there. That's, you know, Suicune's home base right there. And I was like, oh my God. Charizard's home base. Like, like yeah, geez, all man. the stuff you don't want to see is at those tables. That's how I felt at Collinsville as well, you know, playing the wacky spacky deck. Like, I don't want to be down here, man. It's dangerous down here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel safe. This is where I play like Leon's art, man. Like, <laughs> like, it's scary. Um, but obviously it, it worked out okay. I was able to bounce my record back quickly enough. That I was able to avoid the truly horrendous matchups. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, and then in day two, I pretty much only played Arceus and Mew. Uh, I think that's actually, except for one round where I played Norshifu, I played all Arceus and Mew day two, which lines up <laughs> with the final. <laughs> well, standings. if I was going to say, if you look at the top 32, 24 Arceus from... and 7 Mew. And yeah, one and then cut. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. all thirty-two decks. <laughs> Riley occupied the one non-Mew, non-Arceus deck in top thirty-two, which is so absolutely funny. incredible. So day two, it went pretty smooth overall. Honestly, I started day two at two and zero. Um, I beat an Arceus in round one, and I beat Mike Gibbs on the Urshifu deck in round two, and. From there, I um, I lost the Mew matchup. It came down to multiple catcher heads in the third game. If he doesn't get two catcher heads in a row, then I win. If he doesn't, then I or if he does, then I lose. Uh, and he did, so that's fine. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> I guess that happens. Man, I'm playing Crushing Hammer. Who am I to talk? <laughs> I was I was really depressed when I was watching the matchup because I got to catch a and couple my of poor Bidoof, man. And, and like the craziest part was I had like literally knocked all of this guy's energy out of play. He had like his two psychic energy and one fusion left, and he didn't have a Mu V Max left to my yep. knowledge because he hadn't evolved it yet, <laughs> and so. I hit a crushing hammer, remove a fusion with a second crushing hammer. I uh, and the board state is he has a two fusion UV active and a one psychic mellowed on the bench and two fusions in discard. So these are all of his fusions. I crushing hammer the first fusion, flip my last crushing hammer, tails, so I have to fan the second fusion to clear the Mew. And he just psychic energies the whimsicott. Um, Elisa is the one fusion that I put back into the deck. Catchers, heads, <laughs> pull up the Bidoof right. and knocks it out with Melodious Echo for 70, bro. It was so sad. <laughs> yeah, it was really depressing. And like you had the bench, the other Bidoof, and your I think your other Bibarel was prized or you discarded Yeah, my it? last Bibarel was prized. Um, it was, uh, although he might have been able to get the power tablets to knock out of a barrel anyway. Um, sure. It was, a, it was just a heartbreaker for sure. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's fine, um, you know I I think the uh, 
it just happens yeah, you, yeah if i'm playing crushing hammer and he flips heads on pokemon catcher like that's all fair in love and war i guess <laughs> yeah absolutely do you feel like you know had you won that matchup and looking at what the rest of the top eight was do you feel like you had a chance to win the tournament um, given the matchups that you might have faced i think i had eight? a chance to win the tournament if i dodged isaiah okay i think isaiah would have been a tough matchup i have i kind of like theory bond out a game plan for it um, it involves Raihan. It involves both Raihan, and it involves uh, getting an early Zashi in to just make sure that their early B drill doesn't do anything. But yeah, well, it's really tough. Yeah, I, I kind of pictured it a little bit differently, but that doesn't necessarily matter. Like I had an idea for how I wanted to play the matchup at least, but it wasn't okay. like super solid, and it relied me on having like a lot of things in hand on the first couple turns. Okay. Um, and but I felt okay. Like I felt okay versus like. Michael and Andrew Estrada, um, you know, that deck played two psychics, but I, my win against Michael was very convincing mm-hmm. and they didn't play that many stadiums. So path can really stick them. Um, and I felt, I feel like I would be okay against the Ian Rob deck. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if they are unable to, if I just stun lock them out of Arceus, you know, I win the flip. Then sure. I think that deck would kind of struggle. Sure. Um, and all the other Arceus decks in, in Cut were, like, fairly straightforward. So, no different than, like, any of my other Arceus matchups. Yep. But regardless, uh, the rest of Day 2, I beat a Mew. I lost to Travis Beckwith with Arceus. That was that was the heartbreaker of the day. I just completely dead you twice. It was, like, the only only games the whole tournament where I, like, truly dead drew. Um, and it was twice in a row. And just, like, 2 owed me in, like, 10 minutes. It was really sad. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I won my last round. Um, sadly, Travis, who beat me to get to 34 points, was not able to ID after that because <laughs> he got down paired. So he had to play and then also whiffed cut. So it just worked out horribly for both of us. <laughs> yeah. We both ended in top 16. So, um, you know, stuff happens. These tournaments get a little crazy towards those last few. And also 35 match points as a clean cut is insane. <laughs> that's so crazy that is so brutal like geez but uh you know i I had a pretty solid run in day two you know four and two can't really complain about that and compounded on a a really solid day one finish 34 match points you know that's top eight at literally like any other tournament (laughs) yes Uh, it just happened to be the one that 35 was the cut (laughs) just absolutely crazy it, it was so overall i was satisfied with my run um, I really felt like I had it in me to top eight. So I honestly, I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't top eight when day two was said and done because I really felt like I could have. Uh, and maybe there were opportunities to clean up my play a little bit and maybe get there. I didn't really see them during the games, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they weren't there. And I've been thinking a lot about that since since then. Um, mm-hmm. I think the game that stuck in me most, honestly, was the one where I probably could have won against Mew in day one. And like, sure. maybe that was the difference maker, but you got to try sure. and avoid that whole train of thought because you, your whole day would be different. Um, yes, absolutely. So I, I'm, try, I'm trying not to go down that rabbit hole. I wish I would made top eight, but I'm really happy with top 16. And, uh, you know, shout out to everybody in our testing group who, you know, helped me to get there. Yeah. Unfortunately for the rest of us, um, it didn't quite go as well. You know, I, I was expecting at least probably two of the four of us to make day two. I was the closest at six, three, uh, Kevin ended up dropping pretty early. Andrew had a pretty middling record. I, I think he dropped at four losses somewhere around 
round seven or eight. Um, so kind of a frustrating day overall, but the field from your perspective was pretty strong for Wimscott from my perspective and from uh, everyone, you know, the other three players that played it, it really wasn't. It seemed though that the better players, you know, were playing the decks that we expected to face. So IE again, the top 32 uh, for the most part, aside from those Arceus Beedrill decks would have been things that we would have been fairly comfortable facing. Yeah, it was, you know, it definitely there was a huge congregation as you moved up in the tables towards Arceus and Mew. I, I noticed it like progressively more and more as the days progressed that really there was only Arceus and Mew that was around me and that was <laughs> it. Um, the only thing that truly surprised me was um, in round eight of day one, I played a amazing Reshiram deck and that made me like really freak <laughs> out, man. I, I was so livid that I was sitting across it. It was Emery Taylor and you know, Em and I are friends. Like we were having a good time conversing, but it's like, man, I'm really playing against amazing restaurant. Like my whimsy guy just dies, man. <laughs> it just yeah, explodes. Right. Well, and it does two seventy, right? It's like not even like a two shot. You know? Yeah, it's, it's just... just it's completely brutal. Um but the deck wasn't really consistent enough, I guess. Uh, or at least uh-huh. it didn't set up consistently enough under the second and third Marnie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is the secret. The second and third one is oh, when baby. the Marnie really gets you. That's um, right. So, but yeah, I think really we saw a huge congregation. You had to be able to like get past those early rounds where the decks stopped being different. <laughs> sure. And then Whimsicott was okay once you hit that point. Um, yeah. But if you're still in different in the different deck zone, you know, X and 2, uh, X and 3, then it was pure hell for Whimsicott. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about why Arceus and Mew, um, and really, I mean, predominantly Arceus. Why did Arceus dominate here in Indianapolis? Well, I think uh, we kind of touched on it over the last few weeks that we thought Arceus to be the most popular archetype. And for pretty much the exact reasons that we saw, you know, Urshifu is very dominant, but Arceus can pretty much remove <laughs> all of its weaknesses against Urshifu. You can get the Manaphy down, you can get the Dunsparce down, you can get a Hoopa V in play. And with that trifecta, it feels so difficult to lose to Urshifu. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have everything that you need to be able to close out a game very quickly. Um, so I predicted a lot of Dark Arceus for that reason. Um, and even if the Urshifu players had ways around it, I didn't expect most people to like find those out and test them. And that ended mm-hmm. up being true. Like I saw a lot of Hoopa V, Dark Arceus with Manaphy and Dunsparce in it. Uh, that in day two especially that was super common um so then like the really top tier players will also recognize that though right like they will recognize that other people will gravitate towards arceus um and they'll say okay what do i do against arceus you know if it's not urshifu then what is it and it seems like people's answer was well i'm just gonna play the arceus mirror and i'll beat them in the arceus mirror and <laughs> So Isaiah and his group decided that the B was a nice way to have like an asset in the mirror and against you. Um, and, you know, that seemed to work very well for them. You know, all of them making day two and then Isaiah in the finals. And Ian Robb and some of his friends decided that, you know, we're going to play like a Metacham fighting package and get rid of your Dunsparce and then plow through your Arceus with fighting guys. And that obviously worked well for Ian as he won the tournament with his Galarian Bird Box deck. So 
I the the logic path seems very sound to me, you know, as to how good players would end up on these Arceus decks. You know, from our group's perspective, we didn't really want to play Arceus. We were kind of like mm-hmm. anti-Arceus heads. Um, and that was reflected in our, our final choice as something that we thought could deal with Arceus, but wasn't Arceus. Right. Um, and then, of course, on the flip side, you have the Mew players. You're like, oh, yeah, I can just beat Urshifu if I play a Marnie or two, and that'll be it. You know, I'll play right, one exactly. psychic. I'll play one psychic for Whimsicott. <laughs> I'll play a Marnie, and I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and that clearly it worked well enough for for enough people that yeah that, that you know Mew is Mew. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, you know, because you think about the Arceus decks that we had been trying, um, and you know, Andrew played Arceus Inteleon just straight over in Europe. And didn't really have the best day, uh, but that was kind of where our heads were at with the Arceus deck. I don't know that we really uh, explored that much Arceus Bs um, or Arceus well, Toolbox. Well, if we that's did what you explore Arceus Bs. Uh, yeah, that was Kevin's deck of choice in Salt Lake right. City. Right. Um, but we didn't think it was good enough, and you know, clearly the meta shifted in a way that was favorable for Arceus Bs. Um, as far as Arceus Water, I mean, I don't think it's entirely fair to write that deck off either, though, because it did top eight it also did very well in some of the the overseas tournaments so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know i just think we had kind of a grudge against arceus if if we're being honest like we didn't and i still kind of feel this way arceus is uh is a deck that if you like go first and get an energy you feel so powerful yes if you go second and whiff an energy or go first even and whiff an energy you feel like a dork <laughs> <laughs> why did i even play this deck yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was talking to some folks at the event who have been playing the B deck and, you know, what, what they were telling me is, you know, when I was playing this deck, it, I thought I'd have the advantage going second because I could at least get the B out. But really I felt like I was just playing the Arceus mirror, like any other, and right. they would just retreat off the double turbo and I'd be in the same situation as if I was any other Arceus mirror. And that kind of sums up my feeling as Arceus as well. So I don't want it, that mirror is just really uh degrading isn't the right word but it's frustrating to play yeah no doubt no doubt because what are you going to do i mean how do you gain advantage in the mirror um you know of course you can play a fighting package right or or the beedrill but again we were just talking about how beedrill doesn't really do all that much but you could play a fighting package so we saw that from ian playing the the medicham which can hit for weakness and also uh, more importantly the galarian zapdos which can hit for weakness but aside from that what are you going to do in the arcus mirror you know play charon's care i I guess, you know, and that's just a slog. <laughs> it is a slog, and it, you know, the Arceus Mirror just really favors who goes first, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what the haters and the losers say, <laughs> you know, it just, uh, it favors who goes first quite a bit. And even though you can build your deck with tricks, that is a frustrating situation to be in. And especially when you're playing Arceus Mirrors, like for a large amount of your day, that starts to wear on you, I would say, you know, when feeling like your matchups are so 50-50 in a way that's, like, not in your control. You know, it's not like a 50-50 where you're, like, mindfully outplaying your opponent by going for, like, <laughs> the perfect item card at the perfect time. You know, yeah. you're using your Drizzile to get your Charon's Care to heal your Arceus and then attack with your next Arceus. Like, yeah, that doesn't feel good. <laughs> right. Definitely. In my opinion. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it feels great, but... <laughs> not for me so uh that all said like clearly uh ian and isaiah were very plugged in to what the meta would look like you know as we described our machinations for the meta they clearly had like very similar machinations 
and arrived at a a different conclusion, but a very valid one because they won the tournament and got second place. So, you know, huge congrats to Ian and Isaiah. They've put the legwork in. Ian especially has been playing this bird deck since Salt Lake City. You know, that's been his deck. And it's cool to see him kind of, like, carry that all the way through. Uh, and Isaiah just, you know, continuing to get that really strong showing throughout this season. Mm-hmm. You know, really making mm-hmm. a... Not that he's not had a name for himself, but, like, really leaving his mark on this season. Yeah, absolutely. Really strong finishes here and at a UIC. And, you know, more to come, probably. Probably, Yeah. <laughs> So that's okay though, because we will outplace them in Milwaukee. That is the goal. That is the goal. And we're going to achieve it, dare I say. You dare say. <laughs> Not getting the backup I need from JW on this one. No, no, I'm, I'm confident, man. We're going to find something extremely busted for sure. The question is if you find like the, an unquestionably broken deck that you know for sure that no one would think of. Would you play it at Milwaukee or would you just wait the week and play it? Yeah, well, okay, so here's the thought. is like, because there's only a week and I only need four points. I think you bring it. <laughs> to Milwaukee? Yeah, if you're me. But what right? if, like, the friend group figured it out and they're like, we got to play this at NAIC? At NAIC? That's a tough one. That's a tough you one. You just, like, roll up with their Dickie Little Arceus <laughs> deck to Milwaukee or something? And just... Well, maybe maybe I go, like, 6-0. and oh. And then I lose the last three or something. <laughs> <Let it> throw. <laughs> <laughs> that would be poggers for sure. Or I like switch a card or two. You know? <laughs> well, don't do that. Oh, like the before the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, like take out the real spice, but like break exactly. the core. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be crazy back to back. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, Indy was huge. Arceus, obviously the standout player from this weekend. And that goes even across overseas. Like Arceus was a huge showing over the last weekend. And we'll talk more about what we expect for New Jersey right after we thank our friends at Manscaped. Absolutely. Manscaped presents the tag team Pokemon podcast. And that's great for us because they send us some products that we get to use and we get to rep here on the podcast. And it's great for you because they give a significant discount to any listeners of the podcast. We love their products. We've been using them for the last, oh, six plus months. Obviously, you hear about Riley and his boxers. (laughs) And I adore the ear and nose hair trimmer. But they have plenty of other products, and you can get your hands on them with our tag team special code use code tag team over at manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping it's really a deal that uh that you should take advantage of and let me tell you we joke about the boxers and my love for them but i wore the manscaped boxers as many of you asked <laughs> during day <laughs> one of the indianapolis regional championship and i went 711 so correlation, argue. correlation doesn't imply causation, but I'm implying causation. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is I play with a min rarity deck, but the only gold ultra balls I need were tucked away in my manscaped boxers. 
Absolutely. So you can get a pair of your own boxers. You can get a pair of uh, ear and nose hair trimmers. You can get, uh, you know, beard shaver. They have different other uh, cleanliness, a beard, (laughs) a razor. I don't know. An electric (laughs) razor. There we go. Uh, You can get, you know, uh, other grooming supplies. The, uh, you know, I've been using the, the body wash and the shampoo also very nice. They have some deodorant uh, for us, uh, you know, stinky fellas out there. So, (laughs) Anyway, they have a lot of great products. You can get your own over at manscaped.com with the code tag team to get yourself 20% off plus free shipping helps yourself and it helps support us. So thank you again to Manscaped for presenting the cast. That's manscaped.com code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping manscaped.com code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping. All right, GW. it's time for our card of the day and I got a good one for you. Yeah. Now, pop quiz, JW. As we were preparing for the Indianapolis Regional Championship, what was the least favorite card of mine in our deck builds? Like, what was the card I was always advocating to have removed? Avery? Correct. Okay. Now, name a card with a similar but better effect than Avery. Yo, Parallel City? No. Oh. The card of the day today Hop. is Friends in Galar. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> and the reason why Friends in Galar is better than Avery is because Avery draws three cards and does nothing. But Friends in Galar draws three cards and gets you mad clout. So. Yes. <laughs> Friends in Galar I... is so sick. I was joking before when we still had like one Avery in the deck and when Andrew was advocating, you know, in the friend group, I was like, you know, what if we just 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 for fun, you know, since Avery doesn't really do a whole lot, obviously discarding the bench is like, okay against, I don't know, Eternatus or something. But (laughs) since it doesn't really impact that many matchups and and arguably sometimes helps certain matchups. You know, why, why not just play the Friends in Galar? Just get a, get a <laughs> nice little I said, draw too. Yeah. I said that at one point as well. Yes, I'm, I'm a stand of Friends in Galar. If you're playing Avery in a deck and you cannot come up with a truly valid use case for it, you got to come up with a use case for Avery that isn't just it feels good to make my vote at discard the bench. <laughs> if that's your only reason, then you might as well play Friends in Galar because Friends in Galar Absolutely. is at least like really sick and cool. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely some nice art for sure. All the all the friends. They're all friends. Yeah. From Galar. Yeah. I wish yeah. I had a couple of those. So. Yeah, man, must be nice. <laughs> it's just good for them. <laughs> friends. So, Friends in Galar, card of the day. There's also a really sick full art for Friends in Galar that is only in Japan, I think. Uh-huh. Really cute. So, might be worth picking up. Get them while they're cheap, man. <laughs> they're going uh they're probably not even cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, friends. Friends are only going to increase in value over time. Uh, global warming and stuff. It. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> get friends while you can. Get friends while you can. <laughs> <laughs> get friends while they're still cheap. Yeah. Um. So let's look ahead on to the next kind of set of tournaments. We're getting real close to uh, release of Astral Radiance, but we still have some more tournaments in this current format. With the next U.S.-based tournament. Being in New Jersey in just a couple of weekends from now. Riley, you're not going to New Jersey. I'm not going to New Jersey. We don't have a whole lot of stake 
in the game, but we do have some friends that are planning on attending. And if we were talking to those friends right now, what would we tell them to test? Yeah. I mean, we've kind of been going through this over the last two days. Um, literally starting on Monday, we started testing again and I still feel a stake. I want to see everybody succeed with the broken deck that uh, I helped test. And so the meta obviously has shifted, at least in the States, to very, very Arceus heavy. And I do not think that that is on track to change, to be honest. So the question becomes, like, what do you do in an Arceus heavy meta? And I think there's a couple directions that you could go, at least if you're a member of our friend group. You know, you contextualize this as I'm talking to a member of the friend group. Um you could, if you're really feeling yourself, you could run back Whimsicott. Um, you know, the matchup hasn't truly changed. I think like a lot of people just still run their own Arceus deck. So if you're feeling like, yeah, I'm just good against Arceus, I'll play Whimsicott, then go for it. You know, I, I wouldn't call you stupid for picking Whimsicott. I don't think it's the best choice you could possibly make. I think it's probably about an equivalent choice you could make for Indy. And, you know, an Indy that gave us a top 16 and a bunch of like, very middling placements. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the so what is like the actual like best choice then? Um, I think some sort of you know Arceus box deck is probably still a really good call. You know, the first thing that I wanted to explore was actually more of a dark box deck. You know, like Stefan's from uh, from Bilbao was something that really appealed to me. You know, you have the Hoopa to deal with the Mana Fee, and then you can use the Birdkeeper Rowlet to deal with the uh the dunsparce after you get rid of the mana fee and if they mm-hmm. can't recover them both you can just you know really run them thin on their stuff um but as we've played more games i think you know the arceus variants of the bird box are just like better because you have an arceus in your deck mm-hmm. <laughs> and arceus is just an insanely good card so that would be like the first thing i would explore we also have been testing a lot of mew as like the opponent I've been right. kind of the villain over the last <laughs> few days of testing. You know, I'm just playing Mew and, and like Arceus Bees or whatever. Like whatever you're trying to beat, like I'm just playing that deck. And right. Mew has been like running the table in the last few days. Well, that's where I kind of felt the matchups were um, heading, you know, all the way up to Indianapolis is that from my perspective, whenever I played Mew, I was like solidly beating Arceus decks because I was just able to headhunt real early either getting a turn yeah, man, one it feels like that in testing and then you go second against an arceus with dark stuff at UIC i know that and- <laughs> it's just so it's interesting though right like that's kind of where my head was at with the uh with the matchup and uh it doesn't really turn out that way in practice well th- where i'm actually going with this as well you know there's a thought li- there's a through line to this thought is i think if there's a tournament and I hate to be that guy, but I think if there's a tournament where like Mew could make its resurgence, I legitimately, I know the the infamous tournament where the good players play Mew. <laughs> I've been making fun of this like in our friend group for weeks, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do think like the regional championship that Mew has been best poised in ever since Melbourne is Sakakas. I'm being legit. I'm being straight up. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I do think this is the event where Mew has been the best poised in a long time. Um, so, and, <laughs> don't laugh at me, man. 
<laughs> it's just we've been saying it, you know. Yeah, I know the infamous tournament. The infamous yeah, yeah, one. yeah, and yeah. I think Sakakis is actually that one. You know, it's already been on the up in indie, and I think the Arceus decks are honestly going to shift away. They're going to get less consistent. They're going to play more crazy stuff, and you really praise on that super hard. Yeah, uh, it capitalizes on it ridiculously hard. They can go into the mellow out of strategy really easily against like the bird box deck, um, and make the game challenging you know make make them work for it and i will also say i i think that the uh the catchers are probably just the way to go with mew especially if you're looking to improve your arceus matchup obviously arceus yeah it's a players, great way to what they're going to want to yeah arceus players what they're going to want to do on their first turn of the game is bench that arceus get an energy attachment and hopefully that arceus is on the bench right because they want to leave with like a, a, as well. a sobble and then maybe have another sobble on the bench so even if you escape rope they can bring up another one prizer you get those Pokemon catchers added into the equation. All of a sudden, that Arceus is not so safe anymore on the bench because you can still get a Meloetta loaded up on turn one and get the Gust effect. So I do feel like if you're looking to play Mew, you're going to want to be testing with those Pokemon catcher to see if it'll help your Arceus matchup, which it definitely does. Yeah, I don't necessarily feel as strongly about like including them or not. You should probably test the idea. Um Honestly, like it might even be time just to go to like a even more straightforward Mew, you know, going mm-hmm. back to like the roots of the Natalie Miller type list. Uh, but you know, include a psychic energy for insurance. Um, you'll probably do pretty well, honestly. Um, I do, th- I legitimately think this is the best tournament for Mew in a long time going into Sakakis. Maybe that changes over the next week, but uh, I would be happy to kind of queue up Mew at this moment in time. Yeah, it'll be curious to see like with Mew, the Wimscott effect, right? Because, you know, with Wimscott being the kind of sole counter deck, I would say, right? You got your Arceus, your Mew, and then you got Wimscott added into the equation, maybe some Urshfu, but uh, Wimscott, this this kind of counter deck, like how hard do you lean into countering the counter deck, right? right. Like was your finish and, you know, Frank's finish at a UIC and some of the other... Alessandro. Um, yeah, and Alessandro's win um, in Europe. Like how much were those kind of the end of Wimscott's, you know, unknown factor, right? And and when do we move into more of a metagame where people are really conscious of Wimscott, thus it doesn't do as well, thus you can drop your text for Wimscott because everyone else is playing more Wimscott text. You know, that'll right. be something as well to to think about. And like you said, going back to a Natalie Millar focused build, all that that's gonna struggle mightily against Wimscott, but should you be that afraid of it when possibly everyone else is, you know, doing things in their deck to to help tech against it? It's hard to say. And I think uh you know if I'm looking at Sakakis, I think regardless, the first thing I would look to do is just have a really consistent deck. You know, a lot of these decks are getting super diluted right now, try and deal with so many things. I would just try and get like a really visceral Arceus deck, like a really core fundamental Mew deck mm-hmm. and slam games with that for a little bit. See how it fares against these more crazy variants. Mm-hmm. And that uh, feels like a solid starting point. Yeah, no doubt. Anything else that you're looking at? I know we had kind of talked about some side options that maybe could do well. Something like a Suicune, perhaps. Um you know, an Arceus or a Ludon, maybe. Um, are there any of these kind of auxiliary decks that you would even consider 
throwing games up for uh for Sakakis? If I I really want to try that Metagross <laughs> Duraludon Bronzog deck that was doing well at day one of Indie. Um it seems like such a, a niche strategy that could potentially be good versus Arceus and maybe nothing else. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's cool. Um other than that, nothing too crazy. I think the format is definitely converging, so to speak. We had a very wide format. You know, we looked to the full grip tournament. There was a ton of stuff going on there. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. playing Mew, but then so much miscellaneous stuff. Mm-hmm. And we look at Salt Lake and Melbourne, and things are starting to converge around Mew and Arceus. And you know, there was a couple other strategies with like Gengar, stuff like that, where Shifu was added to the mix, and now we're just like really narrowed all the way down to the Mew and Arceus zone with like one out of ten guys playing Urshifu type type beat now. Sure. So I you know, in those more centralized metagames, I think you just want to have a really consistent deck that can fare well against those top two decks and worry less about teching out. Is is Urshifu dead? Maybe I think uh, Urshifu really struggles against the combination of Manaphy, Hoopa, and Dunsparce. And it can honestly struggle against two at a time, especially if one of the two is Hoopa. Um, if you can find a way to deal with those a little bit more reliably, then I think Urshifu is fine. I, I think a lot of people are intimidated by Urshifu, and I actually heard multiple people at Indy like, tell me this straight up. It's like, yeah, you know, I was testing Urshifu, but wasn't really confident in it like i didn't feel like i was good enough to play it that was a story i heard multiple times from multiple different people unsolicited (laughs) so you know i think that's a very shared sentiment right now um and so i don't think people are really putting in the time you know when i think of people in north america who i would be you know really threatened if they played urshifu i'm thinking of like the isaiahs i'm thinking of the justin bukharis and stuff like that and uh, mm-hmm. they had shifted away for this tournament, but I, Isaiah even mentioned in one of his interviews, like he was willing to play Urshifu for Indy. He almost did. Right. So I don't think Urshifu is dead. I think you have to find a way to deal with those counters. Um, one thing that stuck out to me that I saw in a random tweet was uh, the amazing Urcelebi with Energy Press. Could yep. be a way to like attack into Hoopa. Um, so I'm sure creative Urshifu players will find their, their routes in their lists and could run it again. But I do think Urshifu has definitely died off amongst like the average player. I don't right. think you'll see a lot of Randall Dandles coming up with Urshifu anymore. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It is a, a very skill-based deck. We've been saying this from the beginning. And now you have even more threats to deal with uh, with just the variety of Arceus builds that uh, that could be out there. Because you know, even something like an Arceus Beedrill doesn't present like a cakewalk matchup for you. Right, because yeah. they can one shot your your V Max, which is just not something that you ever want to have happen. With really? Yeah, I know. Shocker, right? <laughs> you, I mean, honestly, you just never want to have any of your Pokemon KO'd ever. But it's especially it's especially harmful when it's a V Max that gives up three prizes. Yeah, I would say like any V Max deck does not want their V Max to be one hit KO'd. Is like a. I would say any deck doesn't want any of their Pokemon ever to be KO'd. Yeah, Ar- arguably. Arguably, yeah. I mean, Arguably. it definitely makes your route to winning easier if you never lose. Yeah, if you never have a Pokemon get knocked out, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, we've covered a lot here today, JW. Is there anything else that you would 
you know, be thinking of heading into Secaucus before we wrap up? I think that there's a lot that I personally haven't explored with Arceus that I need to. And so if I were heading to New Jersey, I would be putting a, the bulk of my testing, not only into like trying to figure out if Arceus was a potential play for me, but also just the best routes to try to exploit the deck. I think if yeah. you look at, you know, Whimsicott is an okay answer to Arceus. Um, it really revolves around you getting either a quick path of the peak to deny the Starbirth and them not having their only stadium or one of, you know, their, their very few stadiums or hitting a crushing hammer early and they don't have the energy manipulation to recover from that. So, you know, that's, that's an option there. Um, I'm trying to think of like other weaknesses that Arceus has just again, getting that first turn energy attachment. If it can't do that, but that's really more on itself and not really anything that you can do in particular. So, uh, you know, it's tough. I would be looking at it, at least trying to find some kind of counter to it. Uh, we talked about the Mew with the Pokemon catchers. I'd be running a lot of that as well into the Arceus, just playing that matchup on both sides of the coin to get a real feel for how it, how it plays and uh, what I can expect in New Jersey. Absolutely. So run the gauntlet, play against the Arceus, find your Arceus answer and more than anything, good luck and have fun out there. Absolutely. Well, JW, I think we had a successful episode today. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can check us out? You guys can check us out over on Twitter, our most active platform at tag team Pokemon for the podcast. Riley and I both have our own personal Twitters. You can check out me, JW at real John Walter and Riley at smiles with Riles. Go follow us over there. We post some really good and interesting things. You can also find us live every single Wednesday night over at twitch.tv slash Munner at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time for the cast. I also run my own Twitch stream over at twitch.tv slash FlexDaddyRighteous, where you can catch me playing some Pokemon every Monday and Friday. We thank you all so much for the continued support, and thank you everyone who showed up at Indy to express their love we love you all we appreciate you and we will catch you next time peace see you